have revenge. Chancellor Palpatine, Sith Lords are our speciality. You think you know me? It was I who languished for years thinking of nothing but you. Nothing but this moment. And now, the perfect tool for my vengeance is in front of us. I never planned on killing you, but I will make you share my pain, Kenobi. Why do you come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No, protecting someone. fans and moof milkers everywhere welcome to episode number 65 of blast points this is jason hey and it's gabe and we had a whole episode planned yes we did <laughs> we, we had notes we had plans we, we were gonna sing thunder kiss 65 by white zombie <laughs> for our 65th episode yeah uh, yeah Sixty-five. We were going to talk about the news. We were going to talk about like Frank Oz saying he's probably coming back as Yoda. Riz Ahmed's going to be at Celebration. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody no. cares about any of that stuff anymore. No. That's that's I, old. It got blasted apart like Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> there's just chunk. There's chunks of that episode floating around. Saturday night. Twin Sons hit, and it's all that matters. Probably the best twin episode since Jackie Chan's Twin Dragons, maybe. <laughs> Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan are Twin Dragons. Twin Sons messed me up. I'm still not totally right. It was not at all what I expected, but exactly what it should have been. And I think one of the things that was really neat to me, too, is it kind of really reminded me of the micro series. Where it was like lean and mean and ordinarily, because we've been talking quite a bit about how with Rebels, we miss the three episode kind of extended story arcs. And coming into this episode, I was like, man, it's really a shame. This is just going to be one 20 minute episode. But I'd actually, I think, worked in its favor of just being right to the point. And three episodes might have killed people. I wonder if how is the the hour long season finale, how is this, how is that going to beat this yeah i don't the only thing i can think and we'll see if it somehow ties into this at all but just finally getting a animated original trilogy super space battle fight with the rebels that mm. we're kind of been you know now with after seeing getting to see that again in rogue one we really haven't gotten to see an animated version so maybe that's their their thing maybe radis will show up to take on thrawn i don't know mm. That would be Radish showing up would be the only thing that could steal the thunder kiss from Twin Sons. <laughs> yeah, because a big shot of all the ships showing up uh, was that two, 
two episodes ago. Yeah. There was, I think, one Mon Calamari ship, but it wasn't the weird, uh, what's Radish's ship called? The Mr. Belvedere or something? What was it called? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> the Charles in Charge? Yeah. Yeah, it's something like Mr. Belvedere. I'm going to say it is the Mr. Belvedere. The profundity. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Belvedere's close enough. <laughs> we were so close. Streaks on the China never mattered before. Who cares? <laughs> they have all the fun on the profundity. Yeah. It's professional fun. <laughs> Profound fun. <laughs> Radis sings all the ditties. <laughs> Gloria Stefan sound machine songs sung by Radis. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and do that imitation. The Mont Calamari sound machine? Yeah. I think that's what Palpatine thought he had tickets to. <laughs> What's the Mont Calamari sound machine? <laughs> but he's like, oh well, I guess this will this will do. Yeah. Close <laughs> enough. Here, here, invite Anakin. <laughs> At least I could talk to him. Yeah. So twin sons. Yeah, it messes up a little bit. <laughs> let's go into. Let's start at the beginning of the episode. All right, let's talk about it. Yeah, Maul wandering around in the desert, talking about how he's lost. Lost. I am lost. And yet, I can feel his presence so close, so close. I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi. Kenobi! Actually physically lost and kind of emotionally, spiritually lost as well, right? And, you know, one thing I really liked with this episode... The way they did Tatooine in this episode, it's a, you get some of the open, never-ending desert, like a New Hope style. Also, you get some of the weird Padres-esque rock formations. It also kind of reminded me of uh, Attack of the Clones with Anakin on the speeder going around. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, they had a good mix of pretty much every way you've seen Tatooine. Starting with uh, Ezra kind of flying in and seeing the two moons over the the planet in space. Yeah, definitely the pod racing rocks. I must draw Kenobi out. Tempt his noble heart. But how? How? <laughs> Maul's got the little shard of the, the holocron. Which he uses to uh, communicate with Ezra's holocron. I think one of the things I really like, too, is the whole... Um, before they kind of go off into the desert, it's pretty much mirroring the whole R2, 3PO argument in a way. Oh, you know, and one thing I was thinking that's kind of crazy, too, is I almost wonder, you know, if R2 is really still the uh, the person that, that tells the Wills the story of Anakin and, Obi- or Anakin and Luke and the Chosen One. If at some point Chopper talks to R2 and fills him in <laughs> with what happened in this episode. <laughs> when, they're, when, they're, when they're hanging around and, yeah, having bad. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I saw that Obi-Wan dude. He was riding a dewback. <laughs> so we're jumping ahead a little bit, but when you saw Obi-Wan ride up on the dewback, what did that do for you? At the beginning, we didn't actually see him on it. And at that point, I was like, oh, man, he came on a dewback. And that was like, that was enough to kind of freak me out. And I was like, man, I wonder if we'll see him ride it. But I thought, you know, that's going to be too much. But by the end, yeah. We got the payoff. Do you think if there's dewbacks that live in the mountainous region, are they called mountain dewbacks? <laughs> Code red. <laughs> yeah, they're the, like the extreme dewbacks that live in the mountains. Can I, can I order with dark shadow? This is Master Obi Wan. Obi Wan. This message is a warning from any. I was just hearing Jedi. the um, with the the message repeating and stuff. Yeah, which was cool to hear. The old Obi Wan voice at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, to kind of, it almost kind of teases you for the if we didn't know that there was going to be a different voice um, when he's old Obi Wan. I think that would have been more of a tease. I liked how when Ezra fell down, the last thing you just hear the recording of Kenobi saying is just a new hope. A new hope will emerge. A new hope. Yeah. Because that was way back in, that was the first season of Rebels, right? Wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the big first freakout moments of Rebels was, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's, it's hologram Obi-Wan. 
message is a warning from any surviving Jedi. Surviving Jedi. A new hope will emerge. What did you think when, so when they were like lost in the desert, it was pretty much reminding me of the, <laughs> the sunny day in the void episode. <laughs> you know, the first thing I was, I was thinking, I was like, you know, sandstorms are very, very dangerous. <laughs> it's true. I guess, yeah, we haven't really got to see the, the results of that. There's places all through this episode where you can really tell that Dave Filoni is a Star Wars superstar as far as how well it ties into all the preceding movies. It calls back to the prequel stuff, the original trilogy stuff, and Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, it's just all in there. Um, and it's all in there in, like, a natural way. It doesn't really seem like they're forced little parallels. Before we go too much farther, this is an interesting question that I read somebody asking over the weekend. What do you think? Do you think George Lucas would have approved of this episode? Oh, I think he totally would have. I agree. This is almost the most paying tribute to. Yeah. An homage. I don't know. It's of the Lucas style. There was a lot of love put into this episode. Yeah. A lot of Star Wars love. No one would like to believe General Kenobi's alive more than I would. But Senator Organa confirmed his death. Maybe he was wrong. We know Maul went looking for Master Kenobi. This could be a sign that he's closing in on him. Or it could just be a broken recording. Ezra starts talking to the ghost crew, telling them that he wants to go to Tatooine. He's telling them that he thinks Kenobi's down there. And what not it Hera that's like uh, Senator Organa informed Everyone that uh, Kenobi was killed, that's interesting. He's good at keeping secrets. He, he told yeah. Mon Mothma. He's careful who he, he talks to. And as far as we know, Mon Mothma only found out very close to Rogue One, which I guess maybe we find out that uh, these events kind of led to him telling Mon Mothma. I mean, it could be. And also you think in Rogue One, Mon Mothma doesn't <clears throat> say his name. She says, your friend, the Jedi. So Bail Organa could have been super hardcore right. and have been like, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I do know that there is a Jedi out there still alive. I'm not going to tell you what planet he's on, but we could call upon him if we need him, if things get real crazy. Yeah, and that's what will be interesting with uh, season four and maybe into if they go to season five, how much we see of a buildup into what happens in Rogue One. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ezra steals the ship. He goes off to Tatooine. As soon as he mm-hmm. lands on Tatooine, he is immediately assaulted by a group of Tusken Raiders. I swear there's a couple parts where there's new sand people noises. I couldn't believe that. And I was also kind of, Gabe, were you sad when the sand, peop, when sand people got killed by Maul? A little bit. They have a rough time with, with Jedi's. <laughs> I just wanted more sand. I was I was really excited. I was like, man, just give me more sand people. Um, but it kind of that's where it was the whole that was like mirroring the Attack of the Clones at Night stuff with instead of Anakin going crazy and killing the sand people, we got to see Maul do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I was a little sad for him, <laughs> but they kind of asked for it. They did, yeah, because they didn't even try to like steal his ship. They just blew it up. They, yeah, they didn't want the parts like Luke's land speeder. Yeah, they were just being they're just being jerks. I started thinking, what, so when the sand people when they take a part like Luke's land speeder or something, and they take those parts, what do they do with them then? I would think they just sell them to Jawas. Yeah, probably. What, what's the Jawa sand person relationship? That's probably why the Jawas have their big sand crawlers. That's true. So Ezra's stuck out there in the desert with Chopper, going along, stuck in a sandstorm. Well, first we get Maul basically just giving him a hard time and telling him he's hoping he dies so Obi-Wan will come. Yeah. Which is kind of extra mean since Maul up to this point still was trying to get Ezra to be his apprentice. And maybe more kind of proof that Maul is lost, that he's willing to sacrifice the only thing he's got going for him, the 
possibility of Ezra as a, his apprentice to get revenge. He is dead. He is dead. No. You led me to him. No. You failed your friends. No! You will die! No! Do you think Maul really, at this point, still cared about Ezra being his apprentice? Do you think he's still on that? I think a little bit. I mean, he even calls him his apprentice again towards the end, before the duel. He's like, see you later, apprentice! He still likes Ezra, and he just has to act tough because Ezra doesn't like him back. (laughs) You know? (laughs) If Ezra just said, okay, I want to be your apprentice, I'm sure Maul would have, would have taken him back. Uh, but I did like, too, that that's kind of the um, the whole Lucan Empire thing where, you know, the Sith using, kind of torturing someone because they know that their friends will feel it in the Force to draw them out. Um, which, you know, another mirroring to other Star Wars story. Well, and ultimately Maul's plan works, right? Obi-Wan has kind of, he's known Maul was there all along, Mm -hmm. but was trying to be the better Jedi and just stay hidden, but he couldn't let Ezra die. Let's take a moment and just talk about Obi-Wan in this episode. Before Maul shows up by the campfire, how freaking good this Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Yeah, he's perfect. Well, and that's why I was saying it's it was great to start the episode with the hologram of Clone Wars Obi-Wan that we're so used to at this point. Because it just did an extra job of kind of contrasting to who the Obi-Wan of Tatooine, kind of how much he's changed. He's so zen, master, Alec Guinness. You know, this is a guy, he's been meditating on the Force for, what? At this point, 16 years, 17 years, talking to Qui-Gon, being real chill, going into the deep force. And when him and Ezra are just sitting around the campfire, just chit-chatting, Obi-Wan is so chill. And, you know, I like Ezra. It's basically just like, well, Holocron told me I had to come here. And Obi-Wan's just like, don't believe the Holocron. Not totally true all the time. The Holocrons told me. They said you would be the one to help us destroy the Sith. Hmm. That's the first I've heard of it. The Rebellion needs you. We need you to defeat the Empire. What you need, you already have. Unfortunately, you seem to be letting it all go. But if I had what I needed, why would the Holocron send me to you? Yeah, he just, he knows what's up. He's been, it's like he's been reading the papers (laughs) through the Force. (laughs) He knows what's going on. Ezra's freaking out. He's like, don't worry about it. I know all this. Nothing I don't know, young Ezra Bridger. Now, how did Obi-Wan know Ezra's name? Did you think about that? Is he just so, is he so good that he's got the Jedi Rolodex in his head? Well, yeah, why wouldn't he? I mean, if he's, if all he's been doing is meditating, going deeper into the Force, the Cosmic Force, there's only a few people around the galaxy even kind of dipping their toes in the force right like i would think between him and yoda who ezra talked to as mm-hmm. far as we know right through mm-hmm. the force mm-hmm. that if obi-wan didn't pick up on it on himself by himself that yoda would have told him too that hey there's these other i found some other jedis out here there's some goofballs out there goofing around <laughs> yeah he's got a lightsaber with a blaster attached to it <laughs> that sounds ridiculous <laughs> yeah were you at all disappointed they didn't get me to do the Obi-Wan voice? They got Stephen Stanton and said? I, I was a little disappointed, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, Stephen Stanton's already, like, hanging around the office, so they probably were like, well, we'll just have... It's not as good as Jason Gibner's voice, but, <laughs> you know, he's already here. I'd have to buy my own plane ticket probably to go out to California. And yeah. That's like, sorry, I just can't swing it. Sorry. Yeah. You can just, maybe we'll have you redub the episode and we can just post it on YouTube. <laughs> the Twin Sun Special Edition. Oh, <laughs> <The way> it- <laughs> hello, Darth Maul. <laughs> Let's get out the, the graham crackers and the marshmallows. <laughs> Hershey bars. See the episode the way George Lucas intended. <laughs> <laughs> 
Obi-Wan's uh, discussion about how Ezra wasn't supposed to ever be there. Yeah. It almost like turned into an episode of Lost, I think, for a second, where it's like Ezra screwed up the timeline. Well, I was when Obi-Wan was talking about that, I'm like, yeah, Ezra's really not supposed to be there. Because yeah. I feel like we had that talk before, like, will they ever go to Tatooine? You know, and Obi-Wan, it's like, well, there was, it always came back to like, well, that doesn't even make sense. But it does kind of make sense now for Ezra to, I mean, they think they did a good job of making it make sense. And I think they've, now that they've already said too, that this whole encounter is going to impact him in season four. So I think they did a good job of making it work. And I'm glad it was just Ezra and Chopper and not like the whole crew. That would have been a little weird. Ezra's whole flirtation with the with the dark side that was started this season and his whole Sith holocron business, after you sit by a campfire with Obi-Wan Kenobi, I don't know how you could go back to being like, maybe the dark side's cool. And that turns out now we find out that that was kind of the, this is the payoff for that whole storyline too of like, Ezra's flirtation with the dark side is going to lead him to follow Maul, to meet Obi-Wan, to be witness to the end of Darth Maul basically. Yeah. And then Ezra, yeah, getting kind of reaffirming that he, he wants to help his friends and his family more important than gaining more power. And then, and then Darth Maul shows up. Yeah, which sounds really cool in headphones, by the way. Because <laughs> I don't know if you watched it with headphones, but I did. it's like the, the two of them are just talking and then all of a sudden you hear Maul's voice like, me. Yeah, in like both speakers. <laughs> I was like, oh. Now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is me. Stereo. (laughs) Look what has become of you. A rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I like Maul's basically first line was going uh, Kylo style and basically just insulting him for being old. (laughs) (laughs) And and calling him a desert rat. Yeah, Obi-Wan's not sweating it, though. Just being completely chill. It's the only the only cool thing in the desert is Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Obi ice cold Kenobi. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Ice, ice, baby. Let's get into the fight. I just about lost it. When when Darth Maul's talking to Obi Wan, and he says, "You're here." Protecting something, protecting someone, and you see like Obi Wan's eyes start to like twitch. Yeah, hit the sweet spot. Yeah, it's, it was Return of the Jedi all over again. Oh man! And the saber comes out, and son Obi Wan is like, "I am not messing around." I started to sweat. Immediately got a horrible case of bo. You had to open the windows. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get out a fan. Yeah, dial nine one on the phone. (laughs) Uh, The heart, my heart stops. I only got to hit one. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's talk about the fight because you know there are some people. There's a lot of different opinions about this fight. Some people say it's an insult, it's a disservice to Darth Maul. Some people wanted the big knockdown, drag out battle that we maybe thought we were going to get. But in in defense of the episode. Even if, for no other reason, we got that fight in Clone Wars. They fought again a couple times in Clone Wars when it made sense because Obi-Wan was still... Clone Wars Obi-Wan was still Phantom Menace Obi-Wan to an extent. And I think the thing for me that I think was so perfect about the way they handled the duel is they basically justified the New Hope duel. You know, I'm sure some of those same people are the people who are like, man, the duel in New Hope doesn't make any sense. And this... Pretty much to me justified that whole Obi-Wan is in complete control in this fight and he's in complete control in the, when he takes on Vader. Everything that happens happens because Obi-Wan lets it happen, not because, you know, at no point is Darth Vader have the upper hand in that battle. The Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace is the young, brash student. The Obi-Wan in The Clone Wars is, you know, the world famous Jedi knight, Jedi master negotiator. This Obi-Wan is just a pure student of the Force. As Maul begins his charge towards him, and Obi-Wan takes the Qui-Gon stance with both hands on the hilt and the saber up by his head, which was Qui-Gon's stance every time Maul charged him. And then Maul comes at Obi-Wan with the same move, the exact same move that took down Qui-Gon. 
Big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> Obi-Wan goes down <laughs> with a forward swoosh. And I missed it the first time, but I only only when I watched it like with headphones on did I see like the smoke coming out of Maul's chest. Yeah, and if you watch it again, like when even when uh he starts to collapse, you can see the embers and the smoke coming off of his chest. Yeah. And to me, like we were saying before, like what George Lucas have approved of this episode, if anything, that moment seemed more Lucas to me because Lucas, as many fans disliked throughout the original trilogy and especially the prequels, would give you what you thought you were going to get, but not really. Yeah. But in the end, there was a story he had to tell in his way, and he was going to tell it in his way that was in a way that was important to the characters and especially important to the themes that he wanted to get across. What he wanted you to learn from a film or an episode of Clone Wars sometimes wasn't the big knockdown drag out fight that you thought you were going to get. Yeah, this was definitely a fight that was telling a specific story and showing where the characters are. It wasn't just an excuse for eye candy. Not to say that eye candy is not fun. And, you know, we got to see Obi-Wan ride a do-back. <laughs> <laughs> so there's plenty of eye candy in this episode. I think it's it's proof of how well Dave Filoni understands Star Wars. That duel was as perfect, I think, as it could be of basically telling you who Obi-Wan is at this point. Showing that Obi-Wan or that Darth Maul is the same person he's been since Phantom Menace where he's, you know, at last we'll have our revenge. How cool it is, too, that, you know, we see Obi-Wan using Qui-Gon's moves that he's been you know, meditating over all these years. I was thinking, too, like, with yeah. Obi-Wan taking Maul down so elegantly, it reminds me of Yoda's line in response to Luke, is the dark side stronger? No. Quicker, easier, more seductive. And it also reminds me of Rey is able to take down Kylo Ren as easily as she is. And that moment, that classic, now classic moment of the two of them with this one saber up and one saber down. And Rey is stronger than Kylo Ren is because the light side of the Force is always stronger. The pure light side of the Force that is Obi-Wan Kenobi at this moment. There's really no reason for a longer duel. And that's why, you know, like I was comparing this to the micro series, like every second of this episode is telling the exact beat of the story that you need. And, and anything longer would have just been filler or kind of delaying the inevitable and again, like I was saying earlier, I, I, this just to me, this episode makes A New Hope that much cooler that when you see Vader and Obi-Wan, it's kind of like we have proof now that basically at any time I feel like Obi-Wan could have ended that duel and killed Vader. But he knew that wasn't that wasn't going to kill the Emperor, that wasn't going to solve this, that only Luke could do that. And he was just stalling Vader basically until Luke showed up and mm-hmm. he could have ended the fight at any time and just how much in tune with everything that Obi-Wan was at that moment. Now Maul is dying in Obi-Wan's arms, and Maul asks him, Tell me, is it the Chosen One? He is. He will avenge us. Now, not only does this echo Phantom Menace again, with Qui-Gon dying exactly the same way in Kenobi's arms and saying he is the Chosen One. Now, what do you think about this this whole thing, the, the Chosen One, and they're talking about Luke? What do you think? What, what, what's your opinion on that, Gabe? I think after thinking it through now, maybe in Obi-Wan's mind and maybe even Yoda's mind... Luke is the chosen one, which kind of explains how they kind of seem to miss the point of what ultimately gets the emperor that Luke basically doing what Obi-Wan couldn't do here and not fight at all is what ultimately turns Anakin back and Anakin reclaims his title as the chosen one. I think, yeah, I think as far as those guys know, they think Luke is the chosen one and that Anakin is lost forever. Luke is the one in their minds to restore balance in the force 
in their minds. Because much like us sitting in the audience in 1983, we thought, much like Obi-Wan and Yoda did, the movie will end with Luke killing Darth Vader and the Emperor somehow. Obi-Wan on the, the side of the, the hill on Mustafar said, You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy this and not join them! Bring balance to the Force! Not leave it in darkness! It makes sense that in their mind, there's no way that Anakin is even, he couldn't be the chosen one. It's, it's got to be Luke. He's the new hope. It's all about Luke. But it always was. The chosen one always was Anakin. It's kind of things that you would, you could think were the case, but to actually hear Obi-Wan say it, I think is kind of neat. Well, and it's, it's like we were saying, Filoni is so smart because that's something that maybe him and Lucas talked about a long time ago, because it's like, an aspect of Star Wars that was right in front of our face since yeah. Revenge of the Sith. And we never thought of that. But it kind of justifies how Obi-Wan and Yoda kind of treat Luke. They didn't tell him, hey, when you get to when you get to the Emperor, don't fight. That's the that's the key. They didn't know that. They're like, you gotta kill Vader, you gotta kill the Emperor. They haven't quite as as mastered as much mastery of the force that they have. They still are in a way stuck with the whole cycle of violence, I guess, of Ultimately, trying not to fight, but in the end, fighting. Luke is the only one who still believes in Anakin Skywalker. And is willing to just lay down his lightsaber and die than to have a chance of turning to evil. This really had me thinking a lot about, is this how we're going to see Luke in episode eight? I know we were thinking, you know, is Luke going to be exploding people with his mind and, you know, (laughs) flying around, (laughs) flying on a cloud or something? Yeah. Or is it going to be, you know, this is a, a tease of episode eight Luke that he's so in tune with everything that if he's forced to violence, it's, you know, one slash here, one swipe there. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Well, and think about the guilt and the pain that Obi-Wan Kenobi has. If I would have trained the boy better, perhaps none of this would have existed. The Empire, all of this, I could have stopped all of this. Or if I would have killed him on Mustafar, maybe things would still be different. And you think that pain is also something Luke feels with Kylo Ren and the First Order and the death of Han Solo. If I would have done something different with Ben Solo, all maybe none of this would have happened. Or so, if he would have even killed him. Because I'm sure Luke probably had the possibility of killing his nephew. And he probably wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I think we've talked about that. It'll be interesting if episode 8 kind of goes into that of, is Luke able to still kind of be a pacifist? Mm-hmm. Or, or does he have to basically, you know, what's going to make him fight again? And is that the right choice? I think it could be similar to what we're seeing in Twin Sons when when Kenobi starts to get the drift that Maul is on to the fact that Luke Skywalker is there or there's someone more important than the two of them on this planet. That's when Kenobi takes out his sword. And Luke may know the significance of Rey. And if Rey is threatened... He might explode people. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting as Maul is dying, uh, he will avenge us, talking about the the Chosen One. The real Chosen One does. Anakin oh. kills Palpatine, who ultimately screwed Maul and Obi-Wan, because he's the one that seduced Anakin. So uh, Maul's kind of right. Mm-hmm. From a certain point of view, he does avenge, uh, he does get his revenge. I think Obi-Wan's a little sad because, right, Maul hasn't really... Even in his dying breath, he's still obsessed with revenge. Well, and it's, you mirror it to the Qui-Gon death, and it's, you know, it's a classic example between this death and that death of Jedi and Sith, of selflessness and selfishness. 
Qui-Gon's death, you know, promise me you'll train the boy. And, you know, Maul is just, you know. Promise me there'll be revenge. Yeah. So then after that, we got the real, the real humdinger moment. Obi-Wan is riding his back out in the desert. <laughs> Off in the distance, there's the Lars homestead. part was almost too much i was still i was still uh, getting the shivers from just seeing obi-wan on the dewback and then it's like oh no <laughs> oh what's coming up here yeah you hear aunt baru strange no. baru strange baru and you see just a little shadow of little couple years younger luke skywalker running back to the house i thought that was that was a perfect way to get luke on there yeah just enough. Um, and I liked in the, I think it was the interview with Filoni over the weekend, basically explaining why they had to have Luke in there, I thought was great. Regardless if it was cool as a Star Wars fan to see Luke, that it didn't make sense as a story for because there could be people watching this who hadn't seen A New Hope and that you can't really spend an episode talking about who Obi-Wan's protecting and not at least show somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was perfect because... Obi-Wan watching over Luke Skywalker is stuff that makes me sweat all the yeah. time. And just Obi-Wan far away, touching his beard, thinking about it. That the, the fight with Maul and all that, Obi-Wan's first thought after that was, I got to go check on Luke and yeah. make sure he's okay. You know, we're, we're, they're just talking about the chosen one and the, the bigger picture, the greater saga out there in the galaxy yeah well and even ezra saying that the holocron told him that the key to destroying the sith is here mm-hmm. and obi-wan kind of playing it off like oh you know you know they don't know what they're talking about but in a way he didn't know what it was talking about and it was kind of kind of right in his mind yeah luke is going to destroy the sith yeah and he, i guess he kind of he does in a way it's if you use the word key he's the key that unlocks anakin out of the suit, out of Vader. <laughs> you know, and it's it's like I kept thinking during Rogue One, like, man, Luke Skywalker's out there on the farm. Doing Luke Skywalker stuff, you know? Yeah, cleaning robots. Clean, yeah, hanging out with Cammy and Fixer. Bullseye and Womp Rats. Yeah. Wasting time with his friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and here he was, and it's like he was out hanging out by a moisture evaporator, you know? And Baru's like, Luke, Luke. Man, I was, I was kind of hoping we'd just see Baru, maybe. They can't afford that. <laughs> They don't got time for that. <laughs> to animate her collar would just be too intense. Uh, just the back of her head throwing some weird vegetables into a pot. <laughs> so, yeah, long, I, long story short, we liked this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. It was all right. I don't know if you can tell, but we were into it. Yeah. Twin sons, lots of funs. Hamburger buns. <laughs> I guess the twin sons do like, like hamburger buns. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of hamburger buns in space. Yeah. It's floating in the sky. <laughs> that's that really, that's... Really, that's... Obi-Wan wasn't really looking at Luke. He was looking at the twin sons, imagining eating a greasy burger at Dexter's Diner. <laughs> 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 He's like, oh man, it's been so long. 
I love the burgers there. They were the mm. best. It's so good. So juicy. <laughs> yeah. Someday Luke will kill the emperor and I can go back to Dex's diner. <laughs> and it'll all be worth it. Hey, oh my. <laughs> Uh, Where the hell have you been? (laughs) I haven't (laughs) seen you since the Rishi Maze. Yeah. (laughs) Stand by alert. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range 15 minutes. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as Star Wars. Here they come. The more you see it, the better it gets. Star Wars rated PG starts tomorrow at a theater near you. So we have some we have some Twin Sons listener questions that we can get to here. Uh, we got one from Emily. She asks, "Do you prefer the short but definitive saber battles or the no holds barred knockdown dragout kind?" I don't know. I kind of like both of them. Yeah, I think it depends on who the combatants are and kind of what's happening. Because like we were saying, now that I've seen this episode the way it is, I can't imagine it any other way. You know what my favorite on-screen lightsaber battle is, though, from all the films? It's Force Awakens, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the Force Awakens battle. Because for me, that's like a happy medium between... Superstar Jedi powers and passionate fighting. But even in the original trilogy, none of those fights are really short. I mean, other than Obi-Wan cutting Pondo Baba's arm off. That's true. Like, there's still, there's a lot of story and dialogue kind of going on, you know. The Empire fight is quite long. The Jedi fight is quite long. I would say the Empire fight... Is a very close second to the Force Awakens fight, and those two lightsaber battles are very similar. Yeah, where they're kind of in sections. A little bit happens, a little bit different happens. I don't know. They're all good. Yeah, I'm not dissing <laughs> any of them, though. Let's keep that in mind. I'm not saying I don't like yeah. any of them. When but we do an eventual Revenge of the Sith episode, I'll go in depth with that. But <laughs> Ash Williamson writes, can you do a whole episode about Dexter Jetster? Yes. I think we I think we answered that. <laughs> so my friend, what can I do for you? Matthew Jenkins writes, "Do you think this episode could help or hurt the chance of an Obi-Wan spin-off movie?" I don't know that it would make a difference cuz I feel like a lot of people already really want the Obi-Wan movie. Mhm. I don't know, what do you think? I think there's a lot of Ben Kenobi story to tell. If you're going to make a movie with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi again, I think it's got to be set somewhere a little bit closer to Revenge of the Sith. You want to get it as close to the real actor's age as probably possible, you know? It's it's tricky because, yeah, how many years has it been since Revenge of the Sith now? 11 years. So, and yeah, maybe that's why everybody wants it, but they're waiting a few more years to let Ian McGregor deteriorate a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he shows up in The Last Jedi, then that would, you know, be a good reason why. I just feel like there's no reason for them not to do it, but there's no rush for them to do it because the older he gets, the it's almost like the better it'll be. Yeah. Even if it takes him 10 years to do it. There's a lot of Kenobi stories to be told. And this, I would rather they do this now in this way than have Ray Park on screen as Darth Maul again. And you have a whole chunk of the audience who hasn't watched the Clone Wars or Rebels and is completely confused. But I guess that's a good point. I think if they ever do an Obi-Wan movie, this part, this won't be in it. No. It'll either be before this or after this. Yes. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. And Chris White probably has the most important question maybe we've ever been asked ever. What is Ben Kenobi's favorite Kiss song? Oh. I'm I'm referring this one to you. I think it's Charisma.
that's Obi-Wan's favorite song. Why, why would you think Charisma from Dynasty is Kenobi's uh, favorite song? Because it's just, you could, it reminds him of himself. <laughs> I don't know. I I thought of uh, I can just see him in his hut listening to uh, music from the Elder, and I think he'd get down with I. I feel like that would be his his go to record in his hut. He would be like, I'm, I'm not really a big Kiss fan, but I just love music from the Elder. <laughs> the critics didn't like it. It's better than you think. So, Gabe, we've got two new iTunes reviews. Ooh, twin sons. (laughs) Twin sons, twin reviews. Twin hamburger buns. Our first one is from GeoCoolGuy99. And GeoCoolGuy writes, 100% perfect in every way. Two very smart and funny dudes talking about every ridiculous aspect of Star Wars you can think of. These guys really make me laugh out loud and put smiles on my face so that I just can't wipe off. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you, Geo Cool Guy 99 Yeah, thank you. Now, this next one, before I read it, I'd like to remind our listening audience out there that we don't, we're not making these up. You may think that we made this one up, but we're not. These are real reviews from real people that are not us. Because <laughs> we're not real people. <laughs> I don't think we are. <laughs> Not after this week. No. Um, and this one is called Smooth Talkers from Malin Kaisaru. And Malin Kaisaru writes, This is a Star Wars podcast my husband and I can listen to without one of us throwing the other's listening device across the room. This podcast has also been very helpful, helpful in our relationship. The Valentine's Day episode, 60, The Romantic Love Talk of Anakin Skywalker, has helped me be more romantic. Thanks for making a podcast that's substantial and fun. It's wonderful. (laughs) I think our job here is done. Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. So you should leave us an iTunes review so we can read it on an upcoming show. We just After you listen to this episode, head over to iTunes, leave us five stars, write something, and we'll read it in an upcoming show. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Points on the website, blastpointspodcast.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think that's it. And we got uh, a new recipe that just popped up on the, on the website by our, our resident uh, Blast Points chef, Kathy, Luke's, Luke's Finger Food. Oh, it sounds good. Oh, and I, there's a brand new, uh, amazing Darth Field comic strip up on the website that you're going to want to check out. And there's links to episodes, mm-hmm. all kinds of fun. Yeah, and we are just we are weeks away from Star Wars Celebration. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, and we're going to have some awesome, <laughs> some awesome surprises um, leading up to Star Wars Celebration in the next coming weeks before we get there. Some some bonus. 
material. Yeah, things are going to start to get crazy. We're going to start to get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) If the episodes stop making sense, sorry. (laughs) All Obi-Wan voice. Yeah, just mumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hey, and don't forget to vote in the Star Wars Podcast Awards. Vote for Blast Points. It's like Star Star Wars Podcast Awards dot com. Something like that. Yes. Please vote. Thank you. And that's it for episode 65. We're going to be back next week when we're executing episode number 66. Get ready. Be be careful. (laughs) Pull pull the chips out of your heads if you can. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen. So thanks for listening, folks. Uh, See you next week. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. You know what? I think I figured out another uh, Obi-Wan Kiss song. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, off of Asylum, there's Who Wants to Be Lonely. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. So he sings that to himself when he can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>